Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. This is the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We are heard nationally on your favorite podcast sites where you'll also find a library of all of our past programs. And if you happen to live in Charleston, South Carolina, we're heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on the iconic 1250 WTMA with the invaluable assistance of local celebrity John Quincy. And here she is. A force of nature, the one-woman show, Robin Berlinski. Hey, Ron. Thank you. All right, so before we bring in our special guest, do we have some business to touch on? We do. Remember that if you're listening on the radio, I would love you to follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. We have a lot of prizes we give away each week, so we encourage you to listen to the podcast so you can enter and win. Wonderful. All right, let me jump into our special guest because you know these shows go by very quickly let's get into it her name is sherry snipes williams she's got over 25 years of experience in nonprofit management fundraising board governance planning external communications and marketing and more and perhaps most importantly since 2012 she has served as the ceo of charleston promise neighborhood an organization supporting under-resourced communities and elementary schools that provides and facilitates comprehensive programs and services that supports children, strengthens families, and mobilizes residents to action. Fabulous. A native of Dorchester County and a graduate of the University of South Carolina, she actively serves on local and statewide nonprofit boards of directors. And here she is, not live, but live in, in ish. the uh, live ish. <laughs> Hello, Sherry. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Hi. Uh, hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Sherry, I want to jump in. You and I do similar work in the out-of-school time space. And what I'm really impressed about your organization is the collaborative piece. And I want to share a recent publication released by the Wallace Foundation. It's titled The Value of Out-of-School Time Programs. And they say a combination of experiences over a course of years may contribute more to youth development, academic attainment, and life success than does one individual program. And I love this because of your the way you partner and something I saw on your website, and then I'm going to let you jump in. But what you said on your website, which I love, is Charleston Promise Neighborhood says, while we acknowledge the strengths of our schools, we must always provide additional resources to infuse creativity, innovation, and ultimately results. And I love that. That's a big woohoo for me. And that's what I love is that you're saying it's not just about our program. It's about the wraparound services, the partnerships, the collaboration, and we are, we are supporting the schools. So hats off to you. Your mission is huge. You are so impactful. Thank you. You're a great leader. And now I want to hear your story. How did you begin and how did you end up in this space of impact? Wow. Well, well, first of all, uh, Robin, you know, I thank the world of you. So thank you so much for um, inviting me to uh, be a part of this, this, this fun moment. So, uh, and congratulations to you on all of your successes. Um, as, uh, as he uh, indicated on in my bio, I'm a low country girl. I'm from Ridgeville, um, which is in Dorchester County, and um, it's a, 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 a small town with a big heart. My uh, entire family, um, my mother's side as well as my father's side of the family, um, we're from the, the Ridgeville, some of our areas, and we've always been involved um, in the community. My dad on, on uh, Ridgeville Town Council, my, my uh, aunt, an educator, and 
um, Charleston County Schools, and um, my work uh, actually um, I, that led me to the University of South Carolina, where I was uh, equally involved um, in campus life and uh, found myself um, in volunteer organizations uh, from my sorority to um, other uh, efforts on campus that engage uh, student leaders as, as well as the overall student population. And so, um, but to answer your, your question specifically, um, I, uh, after college and I was working a first job with the Department of Mental Health and uh, ran into an old college friend who was starting a nonprofit organization that engaged uh, young people in community service projects all across the state. Um, she invited me to join as a volunteer, and that is where my life's work began as it relates to uh, working in community and um, and uh, helping, hopefully helping to make a difference in the lives of, uh, of young people and their families um, across this state. Um, but then I also uh, spent a number of years in Atlanta um, and then came back home 11 years ago to lead the work of Charleston Promise Neighborhood. So nonprofit is in your blood. That's what I do. It is in my blood. <laughs> so Robin, you said there's a very important association here with Jeffrey Canada. Uh, can you tell us about, I know that some of what you do might be modeled after uh, his nonprofit, Harlem Children's Zone. How do we make that comparison? That's right. So oh, I imagine over 30 years ago, Jeffrey Canada um, was working in Harlem with a number of nonprofit organizations, uh, community residents, and the police department there. And they created this nonprofit called the Harlem Children's Zone um, that first uh, worked on strengthening relationships between community residents and the police department. Um, it has since evolved to um, house charter schools, uh, robust after-school programs, employment training programs, um, as well as um, programs that help young parents become stronger parents. Charleston, South Carolina, um, that and, uh, heard about the work of the Harlem Children's Zone, and our former mayor, Joe Riley, and our former superintendent, Dr. Nancy McGinley, uh, led a delegation to, of Charlestonians to Boston to learn more about the Harlem Children's Zone's impact in the community. At the same time, the U.S. Department of Education issued a request from communities all across the country to apply for funding to replicate Harlem Children's Zone's work. Charleston uh, applied for this funding. However, we didn't receive the funding. Um, however, uh, many of the folks in, in that delegation um, that comprised of uh, many of the folks who were part of that delegation represented the city of Charleston, the city of North Charleston, Charleston County, the school district, community members, as well as local philanthropists. Um, they it said that uh, even though we didn't get the funding from uh, the U.S. Department of Education, they were going to raise the monies locally to start Charleston Promise Neighborhood. So, uh, so we um, this organization was started in 2010, so 13 years ago. Um, we have spent a lot of time studying the work of the Harlem Children's Zone, um, their their growth um, uh, successes, their their uh, uh, you know programmatic challenges. Um, how they engage the community and how they ensure that uh, resident voices are a part of their work. 
how they engage um, donors, um, and even how they hire and train their staff. So we've been a student of their work for, again, 13 years. And, um, and, and actually, last summer I spent uh, a couple days with them, again, continuing to learn about um, how they uh, implement robust programming. So we are thrilled to, uh, to have a, a quasi-partnership with them, but more importantly, to bring their work here to Charleston. I love it. I have a, um, a story, but first, I love that you didn't give up when you didn't get the grant. That is like kudos to Charleston for saying, okay, well, that door closed. What's next? Let's make this happen. Let's um, make it happen. So, Sherry, I'm going to name drop Jeffrey Canada because I'm really proud oh. of this moment. Um, it's really not a big deal, but I'm still proud of it. Early in the 90s, when I was at the Children's Museum, we received funding from the Arthur and Blank Foundation. And yeah, they, out of Atlanta. Yeah, they took all the grantees and brought us to Atlanta. We had a big meeting. They treated us like it. I was early in my life in nonprofits. So this was like, what is happening? This is amazing. And Jeffrey Canada was the keynote and he was there as part wow. of the whole weekend to like talk to us and energize us and inspire us and his impression, like his, that impression on me as a young professional in the nonprofit world has stuck with me to this day. Like you are so lucky that that is your North Star because he's amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. He is amazing. Um, yeah, that, that's a wonderful story. He has, he has, uh, he has a ripple effect. <laughs> there well, you go. Yeah. Um, sure. In your own, yes, in your yes, own journey. Yes. And, and people ask this all the time. Yeah. So having somebody like you who's lived it uh, on the show is, is a real bonus for us, but share some of the challenges that you've had just trying to do something nice. You know, you ever hear that the no good <laughs> deed goes unpunished. I'm just trying to do something nice here. Why am I getting so much pushback? And then in the same sentence, let's talk about some of the successes and what you're most proud of. Well, well, I can say, you know, coming um, back home to Charleston uh, uh, 11 years ago, um, you know, a as an adult, um, as someone who had a body of experience in the nonprofit sector, um, you know, and, and starting up a nonprofit, um, it was, of course, quite challenging, you know, um, starting a nonprofit or, uh, and the organization had been in place for, you know, probably eight or nine months before I came, but we were still in startup mode, um, trying to want to uh, be clear about our, uh, our mission and making sure we were, um, we were meeting a, the specific need in which we were founded to do. Um, you know, entering into, if you will, um, and, and I'll, again, um, I'll use, you know, terms that are familiar in the nonprofit sector, but also corporate sector, but, but better understanding our market, if you will, um, better understanding our schools and what they need, the, um, the uh, resources or the assets that they already had. Um, you know, I think one of the hardest things uh, we did in our early years was uh, making uh, relationships with principals um, because, as you said earlier, um, our schools are, are under-resourced. Uh, principals churn, you know, they leave oftentimes, uh, you know, after a year, 18 months. And so 
um, in my early years, really trying to gain the trust, the confidence, the partnership of a principal, and uh, working with them and pouring into them, um, and then for them to leave, that was really challenging. Um, and then you had to uh, start all over again, you know, uh, I, I'll liken it to the dating scene. you got to start dating again, <laughs> you know. Um, and so um, that was one of the major challenges. Another challenge just I think, in the nonprofit sector, while we have, you know, lots of support from um, individuals, from corporations, uh, foundations, and, and even government grants, um, fundraising is, is extremely challenging, um, you know, um, and, and it has been throughout the, the, the life of our organization and many nonprofit organizations. Um, and so continuing to have resources to deliver on your promise um, to uh, meet the needs, the ever-changing needs of, of our communities, those, that continues to be a challenge. Um, and I think I, 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 my third challenge, I think, would be um, just trying to, uh, you know, one of the things about Charleston Promise Neighborhood that we learned from the Harlem Children's Zone is that you have to be nimble. You know, um, our uh, communities are, are vibrant and ever-changing, um, and the needs of our students and our families are ever-changing. Um, and then, you know, then you have to, you know, bring in a COVID that turns everything on its head. Um, but, but I think for us, one of, you know, a challenge was um, trying to uh, identify the right programs um, for the specific schools that work and that work to meet our mission, um, which is to support students, strengthen and families, and mobilize residents to action. Um, so every couple of years we do a strategic plan and we revisit that um, and make sure that we are um, um, that we are delivering again the relevant meaningful services that, that work and that matter. Um, uh, and so then I'll then I'll just briefly talk about the successes. You know, Charleston is just an amazing place, and you know, Charleston's heart is uh, is open to um, everyone, and it expands daily. And so we have been embraced by uh, so many um, people, our volunteers. Um, we have an amazing staff that I get to um, work with and lead and strategize. Um, our, um, our, our parents and our students are um, amazing, and, and they tell us what they need and what they want, and we do our best to respond. Um, I think an, another, you know, our founding partners, the city of Charleston, the city of North Charleston County and the school and the Charleston County School District, you know, they continue to, uh, to ride with us, if you will. Um, they, um, you know, they, they give their time, talents, and treasures to help to strengthen and ensure our organization is able to deliver upon what we've promised to do. So um, those are a little bit of our uh, challenges, and, and I think I have, we have, as an organization, way more successes than challenges. I love it. And I'm grateful for that. Sherry, talk, uh, talk to our audience who might not know what exactly you do. So are you 12 months out of the year? Do you do in school during the school year, after school and summer? Like, I think you're, you've got a heavy lift and I want our listeners to know the impact of Charleston Promise Neighborhood. Yeah. So, so we operate 12 months a year. Um, so we are a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 organization. We work in partnership with four elementary schools that um, three of them are uh, still uh, Title I. 
um, school, elementary schools, and Title I means that at least 40% of the students um, receive free or reduced lunch. So that's one of the indicators of, um, of uh, low wealth or of poverty. Um, and so uh, we uh, do three things in partnership with our school and the attendance zones that um, surround our, our four schools. Um, one is we work in education. Um, so we run after-school programs for about 300 students every single day um, wow. at two of our schools. We um, work with our principals on turnaround strategies. So we are thought partners with principals, and we provide um, funding to support initiatives that uh, they identify will help close uh, achievement gaps. And so for an example, um, we will send uh, teachers or uh, fund teachers for additional professional development. We have done, especially since COVID, a lot of teacher appreciation efforts. Um, you know, we will host a holiday lunch or end of the year award ceremony for teachers and students. Um, and and we, then I think uh, the, the other thing we do is we do a lot of family, parent, and um, uh, training and uh, engagement. So we have and we host uh, family engagement nights with some of our corporate sponsors like Boeing or Bosch um, or Mercedes-Benz Vans. Um, we um, uh, provide, you know, we, we manage and host a fatherhood initiative that's comprised of fathers at the Mary Ford Early Learning and Family Engagement Center. So those things that um, help uh, impact the educational outcome of students. And again, that's after-school programs, that's working with our principals on turnaround strategies, and that's doing a lot of parent and family engagement. The second thing we do is we partner with um, Medical University of South Carolina and Federal and Federal Healthcare Network, uh, and we provide uh, school-based health clinics for our students um, where uh, a pediatrician can see a child and doctor them up and send them back to class if it's a, if it's a minor illness. And it, and it really just helps parents, um, you know, not have to take off from work for a minor illness. But we all know that uh, children that are healthy are able to learn, and it quickly returns a child to uh, their classrooms. And we do a lot of health literacy work through, through that program. And then our third thing um, that we do, again, is our community engagement. We work with adult residents in our community. We have a community engagement council. Um, but we also have partnerships with the International African American Museum, the South Carolina Aquarium, um, uh, uh, Black Bod, where, where we um, try to, uh, you know, uh, if you will, uh, knock the walls down from the school and have the whole in, the, the entire community be our, our classroom, if you will. So um, we we fund field experiences um, and we will load children and families on a bus and we'll go to Blackbot to camp. We, you know, we'll go over to Daniel Island for for Camp Blackbot or we'll go downtown and and have a Charleston Promise Neighborhood Day at the aquarium or at the um, International African American Museum um, and those kinds of things. 
So that's that's the holistic wow. body of work for Charleston. Seriously, I have to just say, like, you had me at number one. Like, I, I was like, wow, <laughs> they do a lot. And then I thought, like, I was numbering all those things. And then you go, number two is, I go, oh, I thought you yeah. already told me on before. And it's a year-round program. Amazing. Wow. I want to ask you just Thank to you. Uh, give me your definition of something. I hear this phrase a lot, but I see this in using your own words, your quote. We also believe in supporting the whole child because the success of our children and the strength of our community go hand in hand. When you refer to the whole sure. child, tell me what that means in your uh, parlance, so to speak. Yeah, so for a whole child, um, for Charleston Promise Neighborhood, um, that means um, the child in the academic setting, which we know is vitally important to their future successes. Um, but I think Robin used another word that, that is likened to it. It's wraparound services because we, we wrap other things around the child to ensure that, that they are whole. Um, health and wellness is vitally important to a child's success. Um, experiences are important to a child's success. Enrichment, meaning um, uh, in the after-school pr um, programs, we push in um, things like soccer or sweetgrass basket weaving or athletics, um, swim, those kinds of things, again, that help to create, if you will, a whole child. Um, parental involvement, um, uh, parent training, those things are vitally important to ensure that a child is whole. Um, and so for Charleston Promise Neighborhood, we do those wrap, we make available those wraparound services um, and we do it through the school setting, if you will, and that helps to create a whole child. And, and I think the other part of, of our work, um, this is the thing that you might not even see for years to come, um, the kinds of experiences that we offer through our after-school programs or through trips to a museum or the aquarium or being exposed to Mercedes-Benz or Boeing or, or whatever, um, we try to create that spark, right? Um, try to expose our students to lots of things so that um, that spark can um, start and then we figure out in partnership with the parents um, and our, and our um, educators um, how do we continue to pour those things into that child so that ultimately um, they um, have uh, um, uh, 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 they have robust experiences that lead them on to high school graduation, career, and a successful life, and and uh, and con contributing m um, members of our community or wherever they land as adults. I love the so word that's spark. To us, that's what the whole track. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you that's use what, uh, that's you, what means to us. when you use the word spark. We think this show is called Energy Matters. There's your spark. There's your energy. Yeah. And um, Sherry, you and I started around the same time. And, you know, yeah. I started at Engaging Creative Minds at 2013. We've seen a lot of change in the nonprofit education sector. And I just want to have you briefly touch on how you pivoted during the school closures. And then what advice can you give to new nonprofit leaders when they're faced with programming challenges? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, 2020 was a doozy, if you will. <laughs> yes, it yes, was. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, with with COVID happening, and um, and, and you know, I I, I think I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, we have our school-based health clinics that I mentioned earlier, 
with um, MUSC and uh, with Better Healthcare Network. Prior to the pandemic, we were piloting um, telehealth where a child can go into the um, nurse's office, and every school has a, a school nurse. However, every school does not have a pediatrician on call. So we provide that pediatrician through these partnerships with MUSC and FEDER to be available to our schools, to have hours, if you will, at our schools. So we started piloting telehealth prior to the pandemic, probably in 2018, 2019, I'm not sure. Um, and then probably in early 2019, we also piloted a telemental health for students who might be in crisis or students who might need some additional support, at that moment we could use the monitor and have a health professional on the other end and help the child and the family navigate through whatever those scenarios were. So when 2020 came and COVID came in March, um, one of the things we already had in place was the telehealth and the telemental health. So we didn't miss a beat on that. Um, and because we had that experience, we were also able to, um, after our schools got settled a little bit, um, do some after-school programming that was also virtual. And then we also pivoted to do our family engagement nights uh, in a virtual setting. So, um, so the advice I have is, uh, so one is the experience was, we had done some things um, that helped us prepare for the uniqueness of the, the COVID um, reality, the, the pandemic, um, that we were able to uh, model and just kind of transfer to other aspects of, of our programming. Um, but then my, my bit of advice to um, other nonprofits is you just have to be nimble. And I think one of the other things we did was we, I've also tried to, um, during our fundraising, try to have as much unrestricted funds as, as possible that allowed us to be nimble when the time came and we needed to repurpose those funds for some different things, to meet our families where they were, um, to, you know, pour more money into, um, you know, health literacy things and to be able to buy PPPE uh, kits or whatever those things were um, to give to our families w when they absolutely needed them. So, um, so one is pilot as much stuff, try to think outside the box and do it ahead of time. Even if it's not fully baked, at least know what, you know, at least have enough to be dangerous. <laughs> um, and then I'll do as much as you can to, uh, to be nimble and have flexible finances to support um, um, uh, to, you know, to, to support uh, challenges that may come your way. Sherry, in the very little time we have left, like 30 seconds, do you ever allow yourself the opportunity oh. to sit back and cross your arms and, and put a smile on your face? Look what we've done. Or are you just working all the time and don't have time to bask in the successes? My staff will tell you I don't celebrate a lot. Um, every time we uh, receive a win, I think one of my challenge, personal challenges is I don't typically clink the champagne glasses. I basically say, oh, my gosh, we got to do more. The community expects more. They've invested in us. Um, and so um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I feel as if we um, have done a lot. I'm, I'm, I stand in the spirit of gratitude always.
Um, well, let me jump in there and say, Sherry, it's, thank it's you. Not, I don't idle well. <laughs> Sherry, awesome. thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Sherry Snipes Williams, CEO of Charleston Promise Neighborhood. Check him out at charlestonpromise.org. You've been listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd like your feedback at thelearningring.com. You can also reach out to Robin with questions or comments. Chances to win prizes. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.